Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hello and welcome to Eureka, the show that gets under the skin of science as we invite a new expert every week to help us answer one of science's most interesting questions. I'm Rick Edwards. And I'm Dr. Michael Brooks. What we got today? So we're talking about being bad. Oh, Un- very nice. Unruly, loutish, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a cad, mm-hmm. evil son of a bitch, mm-hmm. nasty, dangerous. Mm-hmm. Some of the many things I think you've probably been called. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, do you yeah. do bad things? I would say less than I used to. Probably. Uh, right, yeah. because you've grown up or you've learned from the consequences or? A uh, bit, of, bit of both, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I never did anything particularly bad, but I also wasn't well behaved. What's the worst thing you've done that you're willing to talk about? <laughs> well this is a classic where we record something we will have a good laugh and then i play it to my agent and she says what the fuck are you no 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 like the time that you said what was the worst you'd ever done when i was drunk <laughs> um good episode worth listening back to by the way yeah 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 it is good i still I, you know the one that made it was quite a good story yeah um dropping a baby on his head um but okay worst thing i've ever done Okay, so when I was about nine or ten, I started. Uh, <laughs> I think this is not good. It's not good. Okay, I said uh, the, the thing you're willing yeah, you know, to talk I, I about. Th- I think it's it's long enough ago that I think it's all right. Yeah, you're not going to say. Uh, and also, I got in trouble, so it's okay. so it's sort of you know it's, it's done. Um, and I don't think my parents listen to this, so I think we're all right. Um, <laughs> I started going to the local market and buying like massive multi packs of crisps. So like twenty bags of crisps for, you know, a quid or whatever. Yeah. And then with the idea that I go to school and sell them, but sell them for, you know, even like Oh, I think 10, you've 10, talked 10, about this before. Yeah, ten P a pack. Oh, have I? Okay, yeah, fine. Oh yeah. Yeah, fine then, fine. But, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I do ten P a packet. That's not bad. Um, it's just No, no, well this bit isn't, no. Um and uh you know, entrepreneurial. Yeah. And my problem was I was eating quite a lot of the merchandise, <laughs> so I wasn't really making any money. Yeah. Um, and then I sort of realised that the thing that was holding me back was the capital outlay that I was having to make to get <laughs> oh, the, to yeah, get okay. the merchandise. Yeah. And so then I started shoplifting on the way to school to then sell stuff at school, and I sort of was running a, a sweet shop out of a locker at school and I was had I've other, definitely heard this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah another yeah. another two um two or three boys who were also shoplifting to go 
it in and then I, I would sort of like give them a small cut but I don't know what was really in it like they were they weren't getting very much money and I was doing quite well out of it um and well, that's um, just classic entrepreneur yeah yeah it? yeah and uh and then one of them got got caught and then he grasped on me and so I also <sighs> got also got caught and I got caught with quite a lot of stuff for me uh like and then back you know like something you were like for, nine did you say no so by this time i was probably 11 i think yeah um and uh yeah so i'm i'm like emptying my pockets i'm like you know i've got a big coat on and i'm just like sliding <laughs> cans of coke out of the uh out of the sleeves like it's horrible and i'm in, uh, the, I'm in the back of this shop and uh it, yeah really really yeah not not good at all yeah. and obviously saying Oh yeah, this, I've never done this before. Yeah, yeah. This is the first time, and they're, and they're looking at it going. This is a lot of stuff for your first ever time. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I got, I got carried away. Go uh, big or go home. Yeah, and um, <laughs> and then I went home, and the police had said that they were going to come over to my house yeah. later, and I couldn't, I couldn't face telling my mum and dad. <gasps> so then I sort of sat sat in my room for a while, sort of thinking, oh dear. Um, and then eventually knock at the door of the police and they uh, avoid my mum and dad. Did they have a word with you as well? No, actually, because they'd had a word with me at the shop. Oh, uh, okay. Already. Because uh. when I got caught shoplifting, which literally was the first time I did it. Yeah, uh, same, all, same. And all, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all I stole was a Mars bar. And my parents got the police to come round to have a word with me, even though the shopkeeper didn't get the police involved at all. But they got somebody to come and have a word just to put the frights on me. Basically. Yeah, it's quite. Yeah, it's good tactic. Um, is it though, or is it overreacting? Well, did you did you shoplift again? No, I didn't. Well, there you go then. Yeah, so maybe they're right. Yeah. That's not the worst thing I've done. So let me tell you what I think is actually, and I mean, it's a very small fry, but I still think it's the worst thing mm-hmm. that I've probably mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. And I've never told anyone this, but oh, I thought right. I might as well oh, just yeah, bring lovely. this up because yeah, yeah. again, I'm I'm basically I think I'm nine or ten. But mm. I just used to used to slip some coins out of my mum's purse, almost right in front of her. I could do it oh, right in front of her. I think that's which, okay. I think it's normal. Or, yeah. But I've seen a lot of people say, "Oh, I used to steal from my mum. I feel terrible mm. about it." But I just sort of felt like, do you know what? I didn't get any pocket money, and uh, I needed to go and buy that mask bar if I wasn't going to steal yeah. it now. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I think that all of this stuff is yeah, it is quite bad, but I think it's also quite commonplace yeah i think so i'm not sure it really fit i think i have got some stuff in the locker that definitely does fit the bracket <laughs> of oh that is bad oh uh, okay um, but right I don't yeah think i'm gonna say but really it. i mean what we're going to talk about is is you know why good people do bad things effectively mm. so you know i think of myself as a good person but you know there are there are things where i think yeah you've deliberately done something wrong there and sort of hoped you'd get away with it and yeah, i did so, get away with it yeah and so so, I, well, I so why why would good people do bad stuff? Yeah. What's the naughtiest thing you've ever done? Gosh, I do know. I'm not quite sure. There must well, have been a moment. Nobody is. Nobody's ever perfectly behaved, are they? I mean, I have to confess, when me and my friends sort of used to run through the fields of wheat, um, the farmers weren't too pleased about that. I hope for your sake it's a bit naughtier than running through fields of wheat. The question of what is good and what is bad can be crystal clear or can feel like murky water. We're keen to find out why it sometimes feels good to do something bad, how group behaviour can influence our decisions and whether doing a bad thing is always the wrong thing to do. That's why this week we're asking, why do good people do bad things? Ooh, 
You're hard. We have got an expert this week, mm-hmm. Dr. Jack Lewis. Uh, he's a neuroscientist who helps. Is he a good person or a bad person? Well, I think. A bit of both. He's probably a bit of both. Love it. I think he's a good person, really. I mean, I've seen him do some stuff on TV, um, and he's he seems quite good at what he does. Okay. I mean, it doesn't mean anything, does it? I mean, well, that doesn't probably, mean he's a good person. No, no. People probably said Harvey that about Weinstein was a great <laughs> film producer. <laughs> he's not. Um, let's not mention our expert in the same breath as Harvey Weinstein. No, I'm just saying that just someone producing good work. There's loads of people who produce good work are absolute scumbags. <laughs> Let's be clear on that. And I don't think Jack is one of them. Good. Right, good, right. Good. I mean, he helps people understand how their brains work. Uh, he's an author. He's written a, a book called Sort Your Brain Out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and The Science of Sin, which is why we've got him on here. Um, and uh, that has actually recently been translated into Mandarin. Great. So if you've got a New Year's resolution to learn Mandarin in, with Duolingo, then probably read his book in Mandarin. Did it for a year. Yeah, of course uh, during, you did. During the pandemic. That. Absolutely miserable stuff. Too hard. <laughs> it's too hard. Um, how did you kick things off with him? So, um, obviously, stealing Mars bars is not that bad compared with uh, many things that, that people do. Uh, looking at you, Rick. Mm-hmm. So, I basically wanted to ask about the magnitude of badness. Like, where, where does it start being bad? I always draw from ideas that have you know, basically withstood the test of time. And in the 6th century AD, Pope Gregory the Great came up with this idea of the seven deadly sins. Now, that was a refinement of the eight deadly sins that were before that and the 10 before and the 12 before that. There was such a long, ungainly list of sins um, that, that, you know, religious forefathers would, would advise us that if we wanted to go to heaven, then we shouldn't do this, say, dozen different things or, or the 10 commandments, 10 different things. The genius of Pope Gregory the Great in, in boiling it down to the seven deadly sins is that seven is the number of items that we can keep in mind in one go. So he really did us a favor by simplifying. And every single one of those seven deadly sins, what it really comes down to is if the magnitude of what you've done to wrong others will cause those people to reject you from the group, then you've gone too far. Now, it might sound weird. So the seven deadly sins is things like um, wrath, sloth, lust, pride. These kind of things are, in, in small quantities, really, really useful to human behavior. It helps us to get things done as individuals and as collectives of people. But no man or woman is an island. If we lose the cooperation of other people around us, then, you know, back in prehistory, back in you know, hundreds, if not thousands of years ago, that could literally mean you might die without the participation of others. So, you know, when is bad really bad from sort of biological perspective? It's, it's when it threatens your life, when it threatens your well-being, because your acts have been so selfish and have made you so unpopular with other people that they ostracize you from the group. Yeah, right. So it's like in the... In the the rest of the animal kingdom, really, you don't want to step too far out of line. Exactly. Otherwise, your group is going to be fucked off. Yeah. And and you might get booted out or killed. Yeah. So, it, which suggests it's a kind of evolutionary thing, isn't it? Yeah. Social yeah. dynamics and the, the interesting sort of checks and balances. Yeah. 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 Although, you know, I can't imagine... It's interesting looking at the seven deadly sins because you think lust, okay, like, you know, you're you're obviously taking away reproductive opportunity that isn't yours. 
Maybe that that sort of works in an evolutionary perspective. Yeah. Pride. I'm not seeing pride as a kind of particular problem. In fact, I, d- I don't think you even like ostracise your friends for being too proud. Would you? No, don't think so. I don't think it should but be. I a, don't know how it. A, I mean, it that's six deadly sins already. You know, down to like, six. Okay. Yeah, I reckon yeah. we can get them down to three. Yeah, I don't need to be a pope for that. Yeah, I think that the last one is a little bit. If you're not acting you're on like it, religious sort of puritanical yeah. vibe to, to yeah. that. I think if people want and to envy them, is fight. similar, isn't it? I mean, it's like yeah. envy is like, well, of course you want other people's stuff. That's fine. Yeah, other people have got some nice as stuff. As long as you're not yeah. nicking it, stealing obviously is one of the you know, yeah. proper sins. Yeah, so stealing's a proper sin. <laughs> have we got any others? <laughs> <laughs> Gluttony again. It's like no, you're just punishing yourself, eat, aren't you? Eat, fat go boy. on, eat, eat, fat boy, eat. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I think we're down to five now. <laughs> <laughs> so w- when we. When we do things that are bad and we know it's bad, which I think by and large that is what happens. Like, it's, I suppose occasionally you'll do something and then afterwards you'll be like, oh, maybe that wasn't great. But generally, if you're doing something that's really bad, you will know when you're doing it that it's really bad. But it's sort of like you can get a bit of a kick out of it they like get a bit of a thrill out of it yeah yeah why, yeah why would that be all right so so we'll get on to that but that first thing about when you're doing something bad and you know it mm. that's actually not really all that clear in that you can have an idea that you're not doing something that's particularly bad but other people will have to point out to you that you're pissing them off right. and we all have friends who do this don't we like oh, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, you yeah, cross yeah. the line there yeah, and you yeah. have to teach them and that's about group dynamics and the mm-hmm. same with a pack of wolves or coyotes exactly mm. the same things you see like if somebody's having too much from the carcass yeah. they get ostracised and, and nobody's bonding with them nobody's yeah. like grooming them and, and they sort of learn that actually they they can't behave like that yeah gluttony <laughs> it's gluttony yeah. I, I guess yeah, gluttony's back in also yeah also the other thing from the natural world is that penguins you know that when they're building nests from pebbles mm-hmm. they go and steal each other's pebbles and they're absolutely and and that's absolutely fine. And no penguin ostracizes other penguins because they do that because they're all at it. Basically, it's like oh, it was just there. I saw it and I picked it's, it up. So it's fair game. It's in, fair in, game. In the penguin world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so they're not really as you know. Whereas if it was you and me building nests out of pebbles, yeah. there'd be some fierce protecting going Get on. Get your hands off. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the really interesting. I made my entire nest out of skimmers. <laughs> One of the really interesting things from st- studies of animals is that rats know like there are boundaries to how you, you're supposed to behave. And uh, if you feed rats um, and then show them that that by them eating, like one individual rat is eating and it gives the other rats an electric shock when you, it, it stops eating. It like, knows that it, it can't do that. Ah. Uh. So that's quite an interesting sort of moral sense, effectively. Yeah, like, yeah. And that's quite a social thing as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's a moral and it's a it's sort of mm. intertwined moral social thing. Mm. But I found this uh, study, um, this MIT study, where they used um, magnetic fields, like transcranial magnetic stimulation, on the left side of the brain, near the basically near the ear. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and if you do that, people's moral judgment is skewed. So things that they previously would have judged as like being, you know, beyond the pale, you shouldn't do that. Hmm. You hit them with a zap. And while they're being zapped, while they've got this magnetic field on the temporo parietal junction, mm-hmm. then actually they can't, they, they sort of change their mind about what's good and what's bad and what's acceptable and what's not. So it sort of screws with their moral compass. It kind of does. Yeah. So that's quite interesting, isn't it? That, that you can mess with that at, at that level. 
And it did make me think that maybe Great the mag- excuse in a court of law as well. <laughs> no, someone zapped the oh, old I had my uh, magnetic yeah. hat on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that will be it. That will be it, and I can't really be held yeah. accountable for that. And maybe that's what's happening to the penguins at the South Pole. You know, with the strong magnetic field <laughs> of the pole, <laughs> they've just got no moral judgment. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, what about this then? I think that when you do something bad, sometimes even when you know that it's bad and you don't need someone else to tell you, you get a little kick out of it. It's like slightly thrilling. Well, I think you're going to know the answer to this. It's all to do with our friend, the reward circuit Uh, in the brain. Uh, So I asked Jack to explain this in a bit more detail. I think it boils down to the intimate relation between reward and risk in the brain. So the parts of the brain that sort of assess whether or not something that could be rewarding is worth the risks involved. It's the reward pathway, and that's sort of a dopaminergically driven sequence of brain areas. There's the ventral tegmental area, which is in the midbrain on top of the brainstem. And then a little bit further on from that is the nucleus accumbens. It doesn't really matter what these brain areas are called. The point is they predict how rewarding the thing's going to be. And if it's going to be really rewarding, then you feel hugely motivated to do it. But then there are other brain areas that are always working out the risks involved. So where the two halves of the brain meet in the middle, it's called the anterior cingulate cortex. It's sort of involved in, in, in working out how much this thing that you might choose to do could end up coming undone and and going horribly wrong. So I guess when you're torn, quite often the bad thing that you might choose to do is ultimately rewarding. From the perspective of the science of sin thinking, it's like it's selfish and you're taking it for yourself. And that means that other people don't get that thing that you've selfishly stolen or or, or purloined for your own (laughs) means. But that sort of tension between knowing that it's risky, but that there'll be a reward that comes from it. Like if you get caught, then you're going to need that adrenaline to escape, maybe to flee. So it's the relationship between risk and reward that makes it exciting. Mm. I can totally identify with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I like the idea of getting the adrenaline going just in case. Just so you can run yeah. fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to shit myself and run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's an interesting thing, though, isn't it? What you said about that selfish sense of I'm just going to have that and, you know, mm. it's fine. Because uh, there's certainly some attitudes where you, you might steal stuff and you think it's a victimless crime. There's certain members of my family who don't mind purloining a bit of cutlery from a from a restaurant or a bar or whatever, where, they, where they're at. They're like, oh, I like the shape of that teaspoon. I'm going to have that. Who's doing that? Your wife? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. She claims she's only done it a couple of times, but I, th- okay. I think it's a pattern of behaviour. Yeah. And yeah. you've got a full set of cutlery, weirdly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Nova, Nova's attitude is, if it's a chain, it's fair game. If it's what? If it's a chain, it's fair yeah. game. So you don't steal from like independent coffee shops. Oh, I see. I thought you meant he was stealing chains. No, no, I was like, what? No, no but if, if it's, a, you know, yeah, if it's yeah, like yeah. Weatherspoons, yeah. it's totally fine to take, take that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everyone's got their own morality, what, haven't they? At what they? level, though? So you're not going to walk out with the chairs. <laughs> you know you're not gonna get, basically, if you can get away with it. Yeah, I think so. You're slipping yeah. a, a, you know, a bit of cutlery into your bag or whatever, aren't you? 
Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't get anything from that, really. I, I, I don't want that cutlery enough to take the risk of being caught stealing, because that's happened to me once in my life, and I don't want it also, to happen again. It's so embarrassing as well. It is embarrassing, it's isn't like, it? Why are you nicking a fork? Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> you can't. It's was it Winona Ryder who used to go on big, yeah, big yeah. shoplifting yeah. sprees? Yeah. You know? And it's just the thrill of it. It must be. Well, for that kind of mania. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's not. That's like a psychological condition, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And when you get away with it, you get the dopamine mm. as well. So, so it's not only the adrenaline, which is quite addictive, of actual the process, but you get away with it, and and you've got that dopamine of like, yeah. wow, you know, euphoria. Who was it who used to nick bottles of wine? Was it Richard Madeley? I don't know. Someone like that. And there was the Anthony Worrell Thompson used to nick yeah, stuff off of checkouts, yeah, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. But apparently, if you're in the public eye, it's a like different level of stuff. So because you're you're risking so much more. So like yeah, Philippa, yeah, Philippa, like you know, nicking a spoon is is nothing in terms of adrenaline and dopamine compared to you Anthony know, Royal Thompson nicking a roast chicken. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, and and this is this is sort of amplified for things that are sort of socially really unacceptable, like MPs getting caught in sex scandals. And you might think, you know, why on earth is an MP even bothering to send dick pics to a twenty-year-old mm. uh, intern? And actually, it's it's because it's sort of a thrill that they don't get in their day-to-day life and the 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 risks of getting caught are so high or the consequences of getting caught are so high that it makes it all the more thrilling so the more you've got to lose yeah the more sort of addictive and compulsive that can become but surely this is all about whether you like what you learn from the experience as well so if you get caught and punished then in the future you'll look at the risk and think ah too high i'd i'd I probably won't do that again. Yeah. And if you aren't caught, then you'll think, hmm. <laughs> you have to escalate. I'll, I'll do that again and probably escalate. Yeah, which is what so you I did. Get, um, well, no. No, no. Once oh, no, I, you, no, no. You got away with it and escalated and escalated. Yeah. And then and you then, got and caught. And then I got caught and then, and then I stopped. Yeah. It felt quite bad. Yeah, classic yeah. trajectory, really. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, time for a quick break. When we get back, we'll be discussing why you might eat meat even though you know it's wrong. <laughs> Directing that at myself. Uh, whether your parents were right to steer you away from bad influences. And of course, we'll be answering today's question why do good people do bad things? 
eating thing from your, you know, veganuary mm. sort of recollections. I mean, you mm. basically just like eating meat. Yeah. And you can't reconcile that against the fact that you feel like you shouldn't. Mm. And and therefore you just sort of basically do it and and you detach the the yeah. sort of sense of oh, I shouldn't do this from the fact that you're just doing it anyway. And it's like a cognitive dissonance that, yeah, that sort that's of exactly goes what on. It is. And I yeah. think it's conscious as well. You just go, I'm I am not going to engage with this because I'm not going to like where the engagement takes me. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So I'm Which just going to thoughtlessly do it. Brilliant skill. Isn't yeah. it? Let's be honest. This is this is yeah, yeah. kind of the recipe for success in life is not being bound by the sense of ought and mm. just get on with what you feel like you want to do. Yeah, what do I want? And it's not great socially in lots of respects. And people might say to you, oh, you're a hypocrite. And they're, but they're not going to ostracise you because of it, because everyone does it. So everyone has this also, fear in which they, they are hypocrites. Off, not going to offer up any resistance to that. When someone says you're a hypocrite for eating meat, given what you think about sort of, you know, animals and animal cruelty, you'll be like, absolutely. Yes, I am. Yeah. And I don't like it, but it's true. Yeah. So... It's one of my many endearing yeah. flaws. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's a whole a load of ways of, in which we kind of get to do bad things, even though we kind of morally, we have a moral sense that we shouldn't do them. So one of them is called the compensation effect. So um, basically, if you do things like, you know, buy environmentally pro friendly products... You then license yourself to do something else, which is long haul flight. Yeah, you know, long haul flight. Yeah, you know? and it doesn't have to add up. It just it sort and of, it certainly doesn't. <laughs> yeah, you just sort of feel like, oh well, I've you know I've been okay in that area, therefore I can give give myself that. Um, and then um, th there's another thing: the power of names, where you just call something a game. So this is a classic thing in like The Wire, if you watch The Wire, and they yeah. call it the game. The, the whole drugs selling, mm -hmm. killing, you know, everything else. It's just like this is the game where, and and therefore it sort of just strips it of any moral issues at all. Yeah. So like, this is. is this is just how it is. Mm. Cognitive dissonance, obviously like the you know, the the eating meat when you know mm. you shouldn't. Um broken window theory. It's sort of like it's already broken. Everybody does it. It's sort of chaotic around here. We just there's no real rules. Everyone's breaking the rules. It's fine. Doesn't matter if I do it. So so broken window theory is if you have an area with broken windows behavior there will be more antisocial behavior in that area because people subconsciously look no, at it and go, i mean the broken is... window is a metaphor here. no no but, it, but, but is it like, not li is it not literal as well i think it probably is literally, is literally yeah. true in, yeah. in the sense that it's like yeah this is a shithole area what does it matter if i make I'm sure it even they've, shittier? they've spoken about it in freakonomics i'm sure uh, okay I right think. Yeah. yeah yeah uh there's tunnel vision just where the end justifies the means and you don't have to think about anything that happens along the way. Mm -hmm. But we've got to, okay, you know, it, it was bad and there's bad things that may have happened, but look where we've got to. But this bacon is tasty. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back to bacon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's the Pygmalion effect where people just basically have low expectations of you and so you just meet them. It's like, fine. You know, you, you get the sense, yeah. you get the sense that nobody thinks you're going to be able to do any better. So you might as well just meet yeah, their expectations yeah conform to that yeah. low yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, pr pressure to conform just got swept along with the whole thing mm -hmm. you know and that I mean that's a really strong one in terms of does, how people behave yeah does, does that tie into the kind of classic parental thing of 
don't hang out with this person or that person yeah, because yeah, they're because, a bad influence. Yeah, they, people don't, I mean, people who are responsible for you can see like what, where you might go quite easily, probably because they did it mm. when they were young. And that's the whole, you know, he's a bad influence thing. Don't hang out with him. Yeah. Um, because you do just conform to your friends. Like if your friends are all doing it. I remember a horrible situation where um, my first year at university, I went out, I think it might have even been Freshers' Week, went out with a group of people who I didn't really know that well, obviously. Uh, but we went out, got absolutely trolleyed, ended up in a pizza restaurant, and one of them started a food fight. And it just like degenerated, and everyone else joined in. And um, and I just sat there because I was, I was so mortified by this. But at the same time, it was like, how did this happen? And it happened basically because one person did it and everyone else thought, oh, that's funny, I'll join mm. in. And, and all of a sudden, it was like the restaurant was being trashed and emptied and people were just leaving. Mm. And it, oh, that was terrible. It doesn't feel like you. No, I just sat there thinking, how did I get here? Yeah. <laughs> I've just I've just um, thought of actually the worst thing I've ever done. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I don't think... No, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> yeah, but it's quite it's it's quite good. Oh, actually, and this wasn't really me that did it, but I was there. There was a really, it was a great oh, the bystander. A, yeah, a great a great bystander one. So I had a friend called Evil Damien at, <laughs> at, at school, who, as the name suggests, and um, we all went out. To, I think it was a a, a party and. Uh, there was loads of people from my from my school there and other people and, and at the end of the night a boy who we were sort of friend I didn't, no we weren't really friends with him so it was a bit odd gave us he was leaving and he get and he gave us a bottle of beer that he hadn't drunk and Damien got the bottle took a swig immediately like right well that's piss uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Classic fair, Damien. Fair, yeah, fair, fair play. No, no, no. This is Damien. This is Damien. oh, Damien's drinking. No, no, it. Damien's drinking it. Yeah, right. And uh, fair play to the guy who's done it because he obviously must have run it under quite a lot of cold water to get it into the appropriate temperature because otherwise it would have been warm to <laughs> hey, the touch. He's put it in been. the work. So yeah. He's put in the work, which makes me think he must have really hated this. Actually, <laughs> anyway, evil Damien is really not happy about this, and uh, the next. So this is would have been like a Friday night or a Saturday night. The next Monday at school, we arrive and he's like, "We're gonna get, we're gonna get him back," and he's like, uh, "So, gonna use this." And he's got a little um, Kinder egg, mm. like the little yellow capsule, yeah. Kinder surprise yeah. capsule. And I'm like, uh, "What? What? What, what is, <laughs> what is it?" And he's like, "Jizz. I've been harvesting jizz." And I was like, "Right." <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so he was like, I know where he's parked his car. And we went to the car at lunchtime. And then Damien was just sort of fingering uh, jizz <laughs> all over the door handles. So just all over the door handles, just covered in the handles with jizz. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I do, I do think back to that. <laughs> Does that count as a sex crime? I just, I mean, I don't think so because no, n- no. But I mean, it counts as a like that's a horrible thing to do. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> but it was, uh, and it was funny. 
sure it was oh. funny. But I occasionally think to myself, I wonder if I should have sort of said to Evil Damien, oh, maybe we don't do that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, what would have been the point of that? You'd have lost, yeah. basically, you'd have lost some respect from, from Evil Damien. Yeah, true, actually. And he wouldn't true. have listened to you anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, so just be a bystander. So what what was the outcome of this? So, so did the guy... Well, no, the, the, the beauty of it was that, and I think this is sort of how Evil Damien intended it, that the guy would never know, but Evil Damien would have the satisfaction oh, of like, he's okay. definitely got... Yeah, uh, yeah, Evil Damien's jizz all over his hands, <laughs> which is quite nice. If um, you're listening, Evil Damien, get yeah, in touch with the yeah. show and tell us how you feel about it now. <laughs> I think you'd be fine with it. Um, and there was uh, a sort of horrible addendum to a story, which is on the train on the way home, Evil Damien had a little bit of jizz left and he just uh, was uh, flicking it at a, at a boy, that another boy he didn't like oh, no. across, the, uh, across the carriage. Yeah, so, see, that's not great. No. That's that's bullying, I mean, isn't no, it? Neither, no, I mean, yes, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's move on from Evil Damien, and um, you, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I'm yeah. just gonna gonna finish my list of, of reasons yeah, sorry, why, sorry. why good people do bad things. Uh, obedience to authority. Um, I was only following orders. Mm-hmm. Basically, mm-hmm. classic. Mm-hmm. It's dog eat dog. So basically, you know, it's like win, winner takes all. Yeah, and if I don't do it, someone else will yeah, do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I've invoked that in the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, social bond theory. Nobody cares about me, so fuck them. I'll do whatever I feel like doing. So oh. it's almost like a cry for help. Yeah. So people do bad things almost as a like, you know, well, I'm going to do this because you don't care about me. I, I, yeah. I it's need, a bit like the low expectations yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Being in power, the rules don't apply to me. Oh yeah. Yeah, I feel yeah. like you see that quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, conspicuous consumption. So, so that sense that other people are doing better than you. So you're going to have to grift and and just find a way to sort of catch up with them. Mm. Yeah, that sort of envy, isn't it? Yeah, it is mm-hmm. kind of envy. One of the se- seven mm-hmm. deadly sins we mm-hmm. decided wasn't. Yeah, acceptance of small theft. Basically, it's a victimless crime. So it's that that well, well, that's, stealing that's, spoons that's your wife's spoon, from yeah. Weatherspoons. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, then there's finally reactance theory, which is basically the rules are ridiculous. I'm not being hemmed in like that. It's just like <laughs> well, yeah, ownership's a stupid, <laughs> yeah, stupid concept. Property is theft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so you know, you've got all these kinds of you know reasons why we 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 do all this kind of stuff. So I suppose then it, it will be more likely that I do bad things in a group then as my mum and dad would have suggested yeah i think you've definitely got sort of more license when mm. you do that and mm. that, that's something that uh, that jack mentioned so there's lots of research that indicates that if everyone around you is doing a certain thing then that makes that thing seem normal and therefore you're more likely to do it yourself. Let's say, let's imagine that somewhere deep in the Amazon, there's a cult that thinks that it's really important to take the firstborn child of any family and ritualistically slaughter them. You know, there are cultures where this has happened throughout history um, and, and that you do that to placate the gods. And if you do placate the gods, then you won't get the storms ripping through. You won't, your crops will thrive and all that kind of stuff. So. So it's it's a mistaken belief, but in terms of morality, if everyone else is doing it and everyone else seems to think it's a virtuous thing to do, who are you, the individual, who finds that concept absolutely revolting to, to go against, let's say, thousands of other people who have a different belief system? Now, a lot of people whose gut reaction to something 
that tells them, no, this is wrong, we shouldn't be doing this. If you are that outnumbered by other people, then you might well start concluding over a period of time, maybe I should distrust my gut feeling on this and look to my elders, look to the shaman who is in direct communication, the community believes with the gods. So absolutely, group mentality, you know, what is normal behavior? What is right and wrong? It's dictated entirely by the masses. But that ritual slaughter of the firstborn idea is interesting because he's he's saying that you've got a framework where essentially that isn't bad. Yeah, yeah. And in which case, yeah, of course you're going to be like, oh yeah, but that's not bad. That's just what we do. That's we've what got, we, we've that's, got to do. That that's what we do. Yeah, and I, I think that that's you know that leads to a whole load of behaviours, doesn't mm. it? That, that kind of sense of well, you know, it's cultural. It's sort of you know, yeah. it's just kind of the thing. Yeah, like is because yeah, you get into this sort of murky sort of moral absolutism where you're like, well, that's definitely bad. That's absolutely bad. I mean, I mean, I think it's amplified by social media as well because mm. you get sort of that online the pylons, the bullying sort of behaviour because you see everyone else is sort of doing it and you're just like, oh, I'll be, I'll be part of that. And then you don't sort of sit and think about like, do I want to be part of that? Do I, you know, would I, would I be proud of myself if I could look at myself from the outside? Mm. But there's a, an interesting study from MIT where people looked at what the brain was thinking about when they were part of a group competition and you lose your sense of self. So, so the parts of the brain that are normally when you're sort of, you know, your sense of yourself and what you're doing normally active it sort of becomes much less active in the time when you're actually doing something as part involved in a competition as part of a group so you kind of don't have that sense of like oh my own values matter what matters is the group sort of how the group's behaving the actual the study was done out of um, a woman went to a baseball game with her husband and i think it was a yankees game and he was wearing a red Sox cap and uh, all the yankees fans started like chanting and shouting at him wearing this Red Sox cap. Mm -hmm. And she was so appalled by their sort of behavior and the way that they were, you know, using slurs against him and everything else in this crowd that she she thought, well, you know, I'm going to put a stop to this. And she took the cap, put it on herself saying, you know, they won't do this to me because I'm a woman. And they did not stop one bit. <laughs> and she said she, she has never, ever been like insulted in the way that she was insulted during that game. And that made her go back and, and like dream up this psychology experiment where she was like, you know, let's look at the neuroscience of what happens in the brain. And it's, you know, it's basically once we're part of a team and a group, we sort of lose that moral sense. And so that sort of herd mentality presumably then explains why seemingly ordinary people will take part in, you know, you look through history, horrible, you know, genocide Absolutely. and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, the the a lot of it is just like, you know, this is our group and this is what we're going to need to do to survive. And I think, you know, there's a lot of that in what happened in Rwandan genocide, mm. uh, what happened in partition in India. Uh, uh, you know, all that those kinds of momentous, horrific moments are really sort of partly explained by the fact that people just thought the group is more important than the individual. In that, and that extends to the moral sphere as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it, it also explains but my... But do you think that you know, so when, when you're a part of one of those groups that is doing something terrible, do you think that you know that you're doing something terrible or are you playing a sort of trick on yourself? Are you doing that kind of tunnel vision or whatever to kind of justify or not engage with it i think you're definitely not engaging with it and yeah. the reason i know that is because i think that's what explains my 
tackling sometimes on a football pitch. Like you do the most atrocious <laughs> tackle. Like that, you, you know, you would look at it and say, what are you doing? You know, Straight you're going to put that guy in the hospital. Yeah. yeah. But you sort of think, I sort of did it for the team, you know, because that ne- we needed to make a tackle at that point. Mm. And I think it's that same sort of sense of like, you know, if you were doing a one-on-one game, there's no way you would do that. Mm. But as part of a team, you don't have the same moral responsibility to not do that horrible late slide. And I think it's a similar kind of, you know, way of thinking. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you've compared your tackling to genocide. Um, ra- rather, you. <laughs> I'm not. Than the, me. I mean, it's not the first time. <laughs> so, so is I, I suppose really the fundamental question is: is doing a bad thing always a bad thing? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it sort of is, isn't it? I mean, it, you know, you you can't. We can't put context in and say, you know, Adolf Eichmann being the um, administrator for Nazi concentration mm. camps, it was well, it was just him doing his job or power, um, you know, he, he had no power, therefore he just had to do his job. I mean, it's morally wrong what he did. It remains wrong and you can't excuse it. You can understand it, but you can't excuse it. I suppose I'm more thinking about certain protests so things that at the time might be described as bad or terrorism or that kind of thing so that's a changing morality effectively yeah subsequently back on and go well yeah that they they're on the right side of history do you know what i mean yeah yeah so today's terrorist is tomorrow's freedom fighter kind of yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. And I think that happens a lot. Mm. I mean, you know, we, we sort of change the narrative, don't we? And a lot of the time governments do that. They literally say, you know, this is a terrorist group and, yeah. and we're calling them a terrorist group. Whereas, you know, ten years down the line, they might be the very sort of freedom fighters that yeah. they're they're sort of endorsing and backing and giving weapons. We're, we're to. arming these guys, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and, th- and that's happened throughout history. Ah, damn it! Now they're back to be a terrorist <laughs> group, and we I really wish we hadn't armed them. Yeah. So, so you know, you. And, and it's important that people are able to step out of line. So like terrorism and protest, even protest against the government, you know, you can, you know, you can see at the moment that that is being sort of, you know, criminalized mm. and people are saying, you know, you shouldn't do that. It's a bad thing. Effectively, the moral, they're trying to shift the moral compass on, on, on things like being in protest in the street or even going on strike. Yeah. You know, that that's yeah. being turned into yeah. a moral thing of like, you know, you can't do that. That's an evil thing to do. Yeah. And actually, you know, a lot of people would say it's just a necessity to do this thing. So, mm. so morality, in some ways, is sort of bendy, stretchy, yeah, and relative. Fluid, yeah. Yeah, 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 and evolves. Yeah. So it was interesting asking Jack about whether you know a bad thing is always a bad thing. Doing bad things can be good if the people dictating the difference between good and bad are wrong. In your quiet considered opinion so the words good and bad can be defined in different ways by different people and so if the people defining the difference between good and bad if if they if the the premise of their argument for why a certain behavior is good and another behavior is bad have got it all back to front have got it all upside down because their own morality has been influenced by groups of people that have twisted ways of looking at the world, then I think people should trust their own moral compass. And just because other people say that thing that you're considering doing is bad, if you think that it will ultimately achieve good, 
then there are certain circumstances where doing a bad thing can ultimately lead to good outcomes. It all depends on who is looking at the overview with greater clarity. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think there's a really good example of that with Sinead O'Connor and her calling out the Pope on child sexual abuse in the Catholic mm-hmm, Church. Mm-hmm. And she was like universally slammed for like for doing that and she, you know, she got into all kinds of shit for it. But actually what she pointed out was that the church's you know, description of what was good was protecting the church, you know, and and they'll have had some kind of narrative they told themselves mm. where it was more important that people trust the church on a on a global scale than protecting than protecting individual individual children. Yeah. And she was like, no, I'm not having that. Mm. And of course now we, you know, when she did that, you know, it, it's hard to remember, but actually it was seen as a completely offensive thing to do. Yeah, yeah. But actually now it's like, you know, she was in the right. Okay, I mean, civil rights movement the same. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, weirdly, I don't think this applies to our shoplifting, <laughs> uh, but doing bad things can be good if, um, well, no, that's, that's not, it's weird, isn't it? Because we're not saying that doing bad things can be good. We're saying that, something that is described as bad. being bad might not be. Exactly. And if you have the clarity to realise that, go for it. That's a, I, I mean, that's a, yeah, yeah. Well, you need to be We're kind of encouraging confident. people to, you know... Uh, think for yourself. Is do your own, moral, your own moral sort of values, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so our question is, why do good people do bad things? That's a whole host of reasons. Maybe they, yeah, maybe they disagree. Maybe it's because they're being because of the norms of the society or the group that they're in. Yeah. Some just for the thrill of it. Some for the, the reward, you know, you're, you know, you're being risky, but you think it might be worth it. Sometimes just sticking two fingers to the, to the man. Yeah. So fuck you. (laughs) I'm going to do this. Yeah. (laughs) And what? Oh, I've got caught. (laughs) (laughs) So I put the question to Jack. Why do good people do bad things? Because everyone at some point in life fails to properly manage their stress levels. And even good people, when put under stress for sufficiently long periods of time, can end up making decisions where they evaluate the reward and they evaluate the risks, completely unconsciously using circuits in their brain that they have no conscious access to. And they come out and they decide to do something really morally questionable because they are responding to the emotions that are fueling their thinking patterns rather than taking a few deep breaths and thinking about it rationally. So I don't think he's uh, really covering our crimes there. No, no. And he's also not covering um, bad people doing bad things. No. Um, which and, I think is more... And you worry there's like a Venn diagram of, of two po- things there poss- and we're poss- in the middle. Possibly. Possibly. But I think it sort of keeps things a bit we're exciting. We're not bad people. No, no, I agree. Um, I think it keeps things exciting that good people do occasionally do bad things. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps you guessing. Yeah, I like, like Well, it. I wouldn't have expected that from you, actually. Yeah, yeah, well done. Yeah. <laughs> Eureka is a stack production presented by Dr. Michael Brooks and Rick Edwards. The production team is Temi Adebayo, Katie Baxter, Luke Moore and Charlie Morgan. Sound design by Katie Baxter. Special thanks to today's expert, Dr. Jack Lewis. 
please subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcast. It does make a massive difference. We also really love hearing from you guys. So if you have any burning questions you want us to answer, drop us an email at eureka at stack.london or you can find us, as always, on Twitter at EurekaPod. Eureka is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.